Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, please be our guest, our morning joy, and our evening rest. And with this weekly word in part, your peace and love into our hearts. We pray this in your name, and all God's people said, amen. Friends, we're going to be a church that talks about it. We're not going to talk about all the events from the news all the time, but we are going to talk about some of the events some of the time. And one of those times is now. We remember the place from the news this week, Oxford High School in Oxford, Michigan, not too far from us, just about an hour 15 or so south. And we come to understand who the boy is, a 15-year-old high school student named Ethan Crumley. He went into the school bathroom, retrieved a gun from his backpack, and shot 11 people. He killed four of them, injured seven, and three of those are still in the hospital. And our prayers have been and continue to be with all the families of the victims from this shooting. The gun was a 9mm Sig Sauer that Ethan's dad, James, had purchased legally on Black Friday. In Michigan, parents can purchase a firearm for their child, but a child cannot have that weapon out in public without a parent's supervision. And then come the charges. We learned on Friday there are 24 counts against Ethan Crumbly, including terrorism and also first-degree murder. His parents, James and Jennifer Crumley, are charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. And in the aftermath of such a horrific event, our minds often wonder, were there any signs along the way? Anything that would lead us to believe that uh, something was wrong and perhaps we could note that and maybe do something to prevent such tragedies from ever taking place. And in this particular instance, there were, and there were several. We understood that Ethan kept a journal in which he would write. We also realized that Ethan posted a video in which he communicated that he was going to uh, bring harm to some of his fellow students. And then we also uh, saw the, the, the post on social media of Ethan brandishing his Christmas present, that weapon. At school, Ethan was observed by a teacher looking on his phone at pictures of ammunition. That incident was reported to the school office, and the school office notified the parents. And that same day, later that day, Ethan was observed with a, a note on which had been drawn certain pictures very graphic pictures, disturbing pictures, uh, and under which each of the pictures was a different phrase, a different caption that included some of the following phrases. The thoughts won't stop. Help me. Blood everywhere. My life is useless. The world is dead. His teacher took a picture of this note and showed it to school administration the administration called the parents in and uh, they had a meeting with Ethan there. After encouraging the parents to get counseling for Ethan, the parents went home, leaving Ethan in the school with his backpack and the gun. Later that afternoon at 1.22 p.m., Jennifer Crumley texted her son, Ethan, don't do it. And then later at 1.37 p.m., the parents would come to understand what had happened at Oxford High School that there was an active shooter situation, and James would check the house, and James Crumley called 911 and reported that a gun was missing from his home. Friends, the reality of the situation with regard to our young people is this. 
that today we have some of the most anxious and depressed youth that we've ever encountered as long as we've been studying this and researching this. It is in some ways an epidemic. Not only that, we also have parents who struggle with raising moral children in an increasingly secular society. When a parent texts her son that the problem with looking at ammunition on your phone during school hours is the fact that you got caught doing it instead of the content that's on the phone and the fact that you're doing this uh, while you should be learning and doing other things, again, that leads us to believe that there are larger issues involved. Friends, when signs and symptoms are ignored and evil is supported and even encouraged, it is both heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. And so we pray. We pray for God's peace and presence to be with the families of those who've lost a child in this incident. We pray for the administration, faculty, and staff of Oxford High School that they would continue to do their duty and protect those students and care for them as best they can. We pray for those in law enforcement, those who are first responders and also public officials who are responding to this heinous crime. And we also pray that justice would be done because it needs to be done. And then we also pray for God's mercy on Ethan and his parents. So what about signs and symptoms? We see what happens when they're ignored, either on the part of our young people or even on the part of parents who are sometimes peers of ours and share our communities, neighborhoods, and schools and churches with us. And in an increasingly secular culture, to ignore the reality that we live in a sin-filled and fallen world is both naive and also, quite frankly, irresponsible. Yes, we want to guard our children and grandchildren. We want to keep them safe and secure. That's a good thing. That's an honorable thing. And that's what we are called to do as parents and as school staff and as church folks as well. But we're also called to respond to evil and to rise up against evil whenever we see it or sense it. And if we can do that, then perhaps we can also help to circumvent some of these situations and avoid such tragedies. We will never be able to catch everything all the time, but we can catch some of the things some of the time and we can avoid these expressions of violence in our communities. I wonder about you this morning. What signs and symptoms are you experiencing this season? Perhaps not to the degree or the severity as Ethan's or his parents, but is there anything in your heart and mind that is troubling you? And where are you going with those thoughts and feelings? Are you lifting them up to the Lord? Are you sharing them with a trusted family member or friend? Are you seeking the help that you need from a professional? a counselor, a therapist, a pastor, a life coach, what have you, someone who can help you process what's happening in your life. Are you observing any signs and symptoms? Signs and symptoms from other people in your life that are indicating to you that there might be something else going on, something larger at stake, something perhaps problematic that needs attention. And if so, what can you do about it? What are you going to do about it? Friends, this season, I think the, these signs and symptoms can often point us to predictions and prophecies that our Lord makes in his word. From the prophet Malachi, 
that Mrs. Mueller read earlier for us when she was sharing God's word, we read that the Lord was going to send a messenger who was going to prepare a way. As we've been talking about in worship this morning, that messenger we've come to know as John the Baptist, a relative of Jesus who was born before Jesus, whose job it was to prepare the people to receive Jesus. And so in our mind's eye, we picture John the Baptist out in the wilderness next to the Jordan River, camel's hair cloak, leather belt around waist, eating curds and wild honey. Uh, wonder what the curds were. But in any case, we, we picture John the Baptist out there doing what he's supposed to do. He's teaching the people. He's preaching to the people. And he's identifying sins and shortcomings. And he's calling people to repentance through this baptism of repentance, through this preparation. He's warning people. He's, he's discouraging people from participating in evil. And he's also calling people out. He is not afraid. He is one standing up in the presence of the people, calling them to repentance so they, they can best receive the one who is coming, his relative, Jesus Christ. And it's this Jesus who the prophet Malachi says is going to come and not just bring a joyful message of reconciliation and renewal, but who's also going to come as a, a sharp judge. He's going to be with him this refining process as if there is great heat being applied to precious metal to remove all of the impurities. As if there are clothes that need to be laundered because of their dirt and there is a strong launderer's soap being applied in the process. There's going to be something different about God's people because Jesus Christ has come on the scene. And if we receive him and don't reject him, he will do his refining work, his cleansing work within us. Because, as we've been saying from the scriptures and singing in the songs, who can stand before the Lord? When that day comes, who among us could stand of our own will? According to our own works, according to the purity of our hearts and, and the, the clarity of our minds, who could stand before the Lord? Surely not any of us, but there was one who could. One who was declared without guilt by the highest governor in the land, but about whom Pilate would ultimately wash his hands because he did not want to bring more scrutiny from the Roman government upon his practices in the area and region that he was ruling. One who was beaten and oppressed upon by the leadership of his time. Those in religious and civic authority both accused him, laid hands on him, and basically tried him in undue process. Because they were more concerned with keeping their jealous intentions rather than doing godly justice. This one is the one who can stand because he's the one who predicted his own death and resurrection no less than three times publicly with his disciples and followers. And those disciples and followers didn't quite understand who he was, weren't really all too sure about his message because it's a little bit different than what they were expecting and so when the time came, they would end up deserting the Lord when he, in fact, might have needed them the most. This one was the one, the true son of God, 
the promised savior of the world, the one who has divine authority, the one who has divine power, the one who is drawing from his divine identity to serve his people in need. And he allowed himself to be captured and crucified beaten and bloodied, dirty and disgusting, lifted up before the world so that he could shed his blood for people, for people who were hurting, for people who needed help, for people who needed hope. And in so doing, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, this one who could stand before his accusers and shed his blood, he would purify our hearts, he would cleanse our minds, And he would refine our lives so that one day when the time was right, we ourselves could stand before our Heavenly Father in that place that God has prepared for each of us, forgiven and free, pure and blameless, cleansed and whole. And that is a day, my friends, to look forward to. Jesus was the one who was prophesied He was the one who predicted all of this would happen. And he was the one who saw the signs and symptoms. Not just of an oppressive government who was doing wrong to the people. Not just of a corrupt religious establishment that was often concerned with place and prominence instead of the promised Messiah. But this was the one who saw the signs and symptoms of the struggle between good and evil in the heart of humanity. This was the one who saw the hurt and the helplessness in the longing cries of those on whom he placed his eyes. And he saw them and he looked at them and he had compassion on them. And because of that, he allowed his own death to give them new life. And friends, he might be calling us to do something about it when we see signs and symptoms elsewhere. Friends, it is this Jesus who indeed is calling each of us to repent of our sins, return to him, and receive his blessings of love and forgiveness, and then respond to those blessings by looking around our lives and into our relationships and seeing those who are showing signs and symptoms of being lost. As we go through this month of December, we have lots of events on campus, worship events, Midweek Advent services. We have, uh, we have special concert this afternoon, the Girls of Grace concert, for which we are excited and getting prepared. As you walk about town, you notice the traffic is picked up, the restaurants and shops are much busier, and the lights are dazzling in their display of the season. And even in our church here, we have Christmas decorations up and lights. All fine preparations, all grand and glorious to help us celebrate the reason for the season, to help us celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And in this month of December, we also call Advent. We do two things as part of this preparation. We not only decorate as best as we can, but we also look back. And when we look back, we remember Jesus first coming into the world at Christmas time in what's called the incarnation. We remember this baby born in Bethlehem who came to save his people from their sins. And we remember the difference that he was supposed to make in our lives and for our eternity. But not only that, we we not only look back and remember Jesus first coming into the world, we look ahead. We look forward into the future. And when we do that, we're reminded of God's promises, his predictions, his prophecies about his return. That Jesus will one day come again. 
and he'll come again in glory. And he will come as a judge, but he'll also come with grace and mercy because of the nail-scarred hands that he will most likely be displaying. He will come to us and he will take us and all those who place their hope and trust in him will take us home to be with him in heaven forever. And that will be a grand and glorious day. We need not fear Christ's return. We look forward to it with anticipation and excitement. That's what this Advent season is about and that's where our hearts and minds ought to be going on occasion as we go through this month of December. But friends, I'd like to invite you today not just to look back and remember Jesus' first coming, not just to look forward and anticipate Jesus' second coming. Yes, please do that. But I also want you to consider your lives and relationships right here and right now. And I want you to think about those around you who might be displaying certain signs and symptoms. Because I know what I do when I see people who might be in need of help or who are obviously hurting. I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder why they are doing what they're doing. I wonder what happened in their life that made them that way. I wonder who's in their family or who are their friends or do they have a church home or could they use a pastor? And do you know the thing that I forget? That I might be that person for them. I don't have to make their problems my own. I don't have to solve everyone else's problems but I can help one person I can listen to them. I can ask questions of them. I can just get to know them. I can invite them to something on campus. I can do these kinds of things. And before I show you that, let's get that off the screen. Because that belongs at the end of the sermon. I can't do it for everybody. And neither can you. But God places us in certain positions at certain times, and in certain places so that we can respond to those around us. And I'm wondering who God has placed in your life this season. I wonder who's coming to mind as I preach this message to you, and I wonder the signs and symptoms that those folks are displaying. You might not be able to solve their issue, but can you help them in some way? I think so. Can you pray for them at some time? Absolutely. Can you perhaps lead them to a relationship of truth and trust in Christ by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, yes, you can. You can stand in this world of sin and you can befriend someone who is in need. Friends, unexpected events lead us to consider unexpected prophecies in unexpected ways. The Apostle Peter wrote this, we have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by a prophet's own understanding of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Friends, why do we talk about Malachi? Why do we talk about John the Baptist? Why do we talk about preparing the way? Because this Advent season, in the month of December, prophecy received and shared can serve as a light shining in a dark place. And this week, I think we need more light shining in this darkened world of ours. There is a 
sanctified mantra that I like to share with my children before I drop them off at school. Um, I've got two high schoolers that go to Frankenmuth High School. I've got a middle schooler here at St. Lawrence Lutheran School, and I've got two elementary students as well. And before I drop them off at school, at the high school, and then here on campus, um, I say to them these four things. And these are things that I've adapted from my coaching days to kind of get them pumped up and amped for school, right? Um, And so I say, respect your teachers, be a good friend, do your best, and witness for Jesus. And as young people who are forgiven and free in Christ, justified freely by his grace, I can call them to do certain things. And I can have expectations of them as their parent. So teachers out there, if my kids aren't doing this, it's not my fault. I've done my job. <laughs> but but I, I share this with my children to remind them of who, can, who they can be and what they can do to maybe help bless the lives of their educators or to come alongside someone who might be having, not might be having the best day. And I say it to them like this. I say, respect your, and they say? I say, respect your, and they say? Here we go. I say, be a good, do your, and witness for And then I say, love you, have a great day. And out the door, they go. And what came to my mind this week as I was dropping my kids off on Friday, realizing that some other places weren't having school, realizing that we still were here at St. Lawrence and in Frankenmuth, and I was, you know, kind of silently praying for them in my mind, is that uh, second one, be a good friend. Because it's easy to be a good friend to someone with whom you're similar, someone who perhaps thinks like you or uh, feels like you. It's easy to be a good friend to those who have common interests like you. It's easy to be a good friend with someone who's in your same socioeconomic bracket, as it were. Um, But it's harder to be a friend to someone who's different, to someone who's struggling, perhaps someone who's showing signs and symptoms. But man, those are the kids who need friends the most. And if our kids can befriend those kids, maybe we don't get events like what happened this week. That's not just for the kids, that's for the adults too. We know the folks who have signs and symptoms. We know the folks that might not maybe have as many friends as we do, but we can look to them. We can love them, pray for them, and maybe we can be a friend to them as well. So this December, this Advent season, as we prepare for Christmas ourselves, let's also do these four things, shall we? Would you please respect your, be a good, do your, and witness for, and all God's people said, amen.